I hope y'all don't mind me preaching without my jacket on this morning. I'm burning up in here. I don't know if anybody else is or not, but <clears throat> we're going to be in the book of Psalm, chapter 42, this morning. Actually, 42 and 43. Psalm chapter 42 and 43. And when you get there. I know you just sat back down, but um, if you wouldn't mind and you're able, if you need to remain seated, stay in your seat. But if you can rise for the reading of God's Word, we'll read these together as we stand. Psalm chapter 42 and 43. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you ain't there, say hold on. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Why are you cast down, O my soul, to the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah? As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping the festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. But my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. And deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. And then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. But why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him my salvation, and my God. You can be seated. And as we're seated, <clears throat> Brother Ken Thomas, will you lead us in a word of prayer, please? 
been a long week. Heavenly Father, I pray that just your presence is felt today. I pray that you'll give that peace that passes all understanding that only you can provide. We can't give you anyone else. Heavenly Father, most importantly, I pray that you'll uh, you'll be behind Kevin this morning. I pray that you'll just uh, just give him the words to say. I pray that it comes straight from you. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will uh, soothe our hearts this morning, Heavenly Father, uh, and give us the hope that we need. Uh, give us the uh, strength to go on. Uh, despite the week and the year that we've had. And Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for everything you do for us. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Uh, I thank you for being a good God that we don't deserve. Yes, uh, most importantly, Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll just forgive me where I fail you. And I pray that you'll just uh, watch over us and guide us. And I pray that you'll uh, leave this message for and I pray that the Holy Spirit run wild. And I pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. As I told you last week, I'm so thankful that God has had us in the Psalms. You know, um, Nick used to joke um, whenever it was his time to get up and preach, and he would joke and say that he was going to start a series in the Psalms because we fought about uh, who was going to get our time in the pulpit. And that was such a good thing to uh, uh, that uh, by the time it was time for me to get out of the pulpit and let him in, he was ready to go and I didn't want to get out. And then the same way, by the time it was ready for me to get in, I couldn't wait to preach and, and he didn't want to get out. And so, you know, how many pastors go throughout their years and they are, and, and they're burnt out? I mean, they're, you know, one, a saying that us preachers know, y'all may not have ever heard it before, but us preachers say to each other, Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. And what we mean by that is that Sunday is always coming and you have always got to be ready every Sunday with another. And if, if most preachers are like me, and, and I'm sure Nick, we're going to spend all week in the Word just trying to get ready for Sunday. And so it never ends. You're always preparing and you're always working. And, um, and so to, to have that kind of relationship was a beautiful thing. But to be in the Psalms while all of these things have taken place, is such a gift from God. And I don't think we've realized just how much of a gift that was. You realize that me and Nick, major, for the majority of our time, have spent it in the New Testament, which is a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it's only been here recently that I've been burdened on my heart to, to preach Jesus from the Old Testament, to go back to the Old Testament and spend some time there and understand that the Old Testament is still relevant to us today, very much so but especially the Psalms. Um, these Psalms are basically a collection of prayers. They are a collection of prayers to God. Many of them are prayers of praise or prayers of lament or prayers of celebration or, or prayers of testimony. But the point being is that the Psalms were written as prayers unto their God. And it was an artistic expression so that they could... You know, sometimes our words are just not enough to get the true emotions of our heart out, right? And so God has given us gifts in art to be able to take the things that we feel in our emotions and to be able to get them out so that people can begin to get an image or a sense of the, of the lament that we have or the joy that we have or the testimony and the praise that we have. And the Psalms are many great examples of that. But the most important thing I want you to remember about it this morning is that they are all, each and every one, Holy Spirit inspired. And so that means even the struggles of doubt that you see that takes place in many of these Psalms. 
were Holy Spirit inspired. And see, so many times we have told people, you don't question God, you don't question God, you don't ever say why, you don't ever say this or say that, and you, you have to be very careful with your words. And don't get me wrong, there is a, there is a level of truth to that. There is a reverence and respect that is due Him. I'm not saying it's not. But at the same time, the Psalms are Holy Spirit inspired, and yet many of them through, the, through these, we see them question and say, God, why do you do this? And why do you do that? And I don't understand this, and it feels like this, and, and it feels like you've just forgotten me. Does that mean that this man has lost his faith? No. He's just struggling in his grief to be able to maintain his faith. And in doing this, there is strategy that the Holy Spirit inspires these people to do. So today, I want to take these psalms that are filled with, with word images and metaphors and similes and, um, and so many different expressions so that you can truly understand what this author is going through and the feelings that he feels. I want to take this this morning... And I want to preach to you and teach you how to pray through our grief. How to pray through our grief, our deep sorrow. Because that's what he said. When you read words in this psalm about despair and about turmoil and all of these things, when you go back and look at the original word, he's talking about a deep sorrow that he has. And so that's what these psalms are about. Another thing that I want to... Um, help you understand is that Psalm 42 and 43, they believe that these are meant to be a single unit. That's why I read them together. There are three reasons why this may not be important to you, but I want you to see why I'm putting them together. Here's the first reason. Many of the original manuscripts, the, the oldest ones that we have, even the Dead Sea Scrolls that they have found only here recently, many of the original manuscripts did not have these separated. They had them together. So that's one reason why they believe they're meant to be read together. Another reason is because there is no title or no superscription for Psalm 43. But in all the rest of the Psalms of Book 2, I'm not going to explain a lot of this, but there are five books of the Psalm. If you've got your Bible, look above Psalm 42. Does any of yours say Book 2? Well, this is the beginning of book two of the Psalms. If you want to do some research and try to understand why there's five books, we don't really know for certain, but there's some ideas. But this is the beginning of book two. And Psalm 43 is the only Psalm in book two of the Psalms that does not have a... Like if you're looking at your Psalm, look at 42. It says, to the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah. But look at verse 43 or at Psalm 43. There is no superscription. But go down to Psalm 44, to the choir master, a masculine of the sons of Korah. 45, to the choir master, according to the lilies, a masculine. So again, all the other ones have a superscription there, but Psalm 43 didn't. So again, it's believed that they were meant to be read together. And then finally, there is a common theme that is found in both Psalms. And the common theme I will, I will spell out for you here in a minute, but surely you've seen at least one of them. One of them was that we need to hope in God for we shall again praise Him. That's one of the repeated refrains that you see coming through this. So when we read Psalm 42, it is believed that to get the fullness of it, we need to put the two together. Alright? So in um, 
Psalm 42. I want to break this out and outline. If you've got your Bible and you want to draw brackets around it, I'd like to outline a psalm, and I believe this will help you. Because let me tell you this. What I'm going to teach you this morning is what I've been doing throughout these times of grief. I have been doing... What I'm going to teach you is verbatim exactly what I do day after day. And I can tell you from the mouth of your pastor, it helps tremendously. So much more than you would ever understand unless you do it and you experience it for yourself. Alright? So I hope that you pay attention this morning. Psalm 42 is made up... Psalm 42 and 43 is made up of three sections. Alright? And each of those three sections have three parts. And I'm going to show you real quickly and then we're going to look at those parts. The first section is Psalm 42 verse 1 through 5. So I drew a bracket around that. That's the first section. And every one of the sections ends with, look at verse 5, it ends with this psalmist preaching to himself, encouraging himself. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. That's the first section. The second section is verses 6 through 11. And notice what verse 11 ends with. The same thing. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, my salvation and my God. And of course, the third section would be the entirety of Psalm 43. It would be verses 1 through 5. And notice how verse 5 ends. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. And so three sections in this psalm. Now in each of these sections, there are three parts. Alright, in section 1, which was verses 1 through 5, the first part is verses 1 through 3. And what you have here is venting His grief. He's venting his grief. In verse 4, you have the second part of the section. And what you have there is a remembrance. He remembers something. And then in verse 5, we have the third part. He preaches to himself. And his, his sermon is simply, hope in God. Hope in God. It's not always going to be this way. Now, go down to the second section, beginning in verse 6. In verse 6, 7, 9, and 10, you have venting again. He vents his grief again. And then in verses 6 and 8, he remembers again. And then in verse 11, he preaches to himself again. And then in Psalm 43... Verses 1 and 2 is the first part of that section. Anybody want to take a wild guess what he's doing there? He's venting. He's venting his grief. He's just letting his grief go to God. He's just pouring. He literally says the words, I pour out my soul to you. All the emotions that he feels in his heart, he just pours them out to God. And then in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 43... He remembers. And then in verse 5, 
he preaches to himself again. And you see this struggle to just maintain faith throughout these psalms. You see this struggle of, God, I know who you are. I know what you've done, but this is how I feel and this is where I'm at. And then he ends. He don't end without fighting. He says, all right, soul. All right, soul. Put your hope in God. That's what you've got to do right now. You've got to hope in God because I know all about Him and I know that one day I'm going to praise Him again. One day these joys of celebration are going to be back. One day I'm going to, I'm going to have my head lifted and my spirits lifted. And so for right now, I'm just going to hope in God. And you know what hope is, don't you? Hope is not, man, I hope so. I hope so. That's not hope. Hope is, I know so, and I'm waiting on it. I don't have it right now in my hands. I'm not there yet, but that's the reason why he says in his preaching to himself, he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. It's coming. I know it's coming. You know how I know? Because I know His promises to me. I know that He is faithful. I know that He is true. And I know that it's coming. So even though right now this is where I'm at and this is how I feel, what I tell myself, don't you quit hoping in God. Don't you stop believing His promises. Don't you, don't you get down on your face and forget that He is faithful. No, you keep hoping in God. So... Very quickly this morning, we're going to go through each part of these things. The first thing I want to look at is his venting. Let's look at his venting through all the parts, all right? And so, notice in verse 1 and 2 of Psalm 42 what he says. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before you, God? So what's his vent here? His vent is very simple. God, I'm desperate to be in your presence. I'm desperate to be in your refuge. I'm desperate to feel that I'm with you because right now I don't feel like I'm with you Right now, I feel spiritually and physically as far away from you as I could get. And he thirsts. Now listen, there's a lot of people that read this and they paint this pretty picture in your head. Because remember, the psalmist is painting word pictures, right? And they'll paint this pretty picture in their head. And they'll see this beautiful big deer with his antlers. And he's standing by the, the flowing waters and he's just getting ready to drink. And it's almost like you could sit down and look at this painting and just drink a cup of coffee and just relax in it. You've got the wrong image. That's not what he's painting you. Let me give you the right image. you got a deer that's almost dead. It's walking through a land where there is no water. It's trying to find water, flowing streams, somewhere, anywhere, because... It is so thirsty and so parched, if it does not find water, what's fixing to happen to this deer? It's fixing to die. That's what this psalmist wants you to understand that he's feeling right now. God, I so desperately want to be in your presence that I'm like... This is a simile that we have here. He says, as the deer pants. You know why he's panting? Because he don't have water. It's not there. 
He's looking for it everywhere and he's desperate for it. And he says, the same way that that deer pants for water, that's the way right now I'm panting and I am thirsting after being in the presence of my God. And then notice what he says at the end of verse 2. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, I feel like I'm so far away I can't even get to you. You ever prayed so much and so hard and yet nothing? Nothing. And you can't help but go, God, where are you? Where are you, God? And then notice what happens next in verse 3 as he continues to vent. He says, God, my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? This is a picture of a man that literally he's sitting at a table to eat, but the only thing that he has to eat is what? Tears. So here's what he wants you to understand. He can't eat. He has no appetite. He can't eat, and the only thing that he's had to eat day and night are tears. In other words, this is this psalmist don't just want to write to, to you and pray to God and say, God, I sure have cried a lot. That's not the picture he's trying to paint for you. He says, God, I have been so broken and so hurt that I, I can't eat and the only thing that I have had to eat both day and night is just simply tears. That's the picture that He wants you to see. Anybody feel that this morning? Can you read this psalm now and feel that? That's what He wants you to understand. And this is where He vents to God and He tells God, God, this is... Now, it's not like God don't know this, right? But still, there is a, there is a comfort in just pouring out His soul to God in the way that He feels. He vents to Him. And then skip down with me, or in verse 3 to the end of it. He says, and not only that, but they say to me all day long, where is your God? Now, I don't believe that this is people... There's many that interpret this, that this is people that's just taunting Him and saying, ha ha, where's your God at now? I don't believe that's what's happening. I believe this is literally His church family that has surrounded Him and they're saying, they're just like Him. They don't understand. And they're coming to Him they're saying, where's God at? You know what that does to Him? That breaks him even further because the last thing he wants to do is cause somebody else's faith to stumble. And so here he is and he's thinking all of these church people and all of the believers in God and they look at my situation and they look at what's going on and they say, where is God at? But the last thing I want you to do is question where God is. Yeah, I can't answer it. Yeah, I don't know. But I definitely don't want you asking where God is. And so then he goes on to verse 6 and he vents some more. He says, after preaching to himself in verse 6, he says, my soul is cast down within me. Literally, that word cast down means in deep despair. It means to be without hope. That's the reason why he asked himself the question and he preached to himself. He says, soul, why are you without hope? In other words, he knows he shouldn't be this way. He knows this is not the place for the child of God to be. And yet he cries out to him. He says, he says, soul, why are you cast down within me? Hope in God. But then he comes out of it again and he goes back to verse 6 and he says, but my soul is cast down. God, I am 
for some reason, this is where I'm at. I am. I feel hopeless. I know I'm not hopeless. I know who you are. I know I should hope in you. But again, this venting. Now the last thing many preachers would say to you is, don't you tell God you've got no hope. Don't you tell God. Don't you ask God why. Don't you, don't you, don't you. You know what? Just forget they ever said anything to you whatsoever and listen to the Word of God. And the Word of God says to us this morning that the Holy Spirit inspires these kind of struggles, these kind of questions. My soul is cast down within me. He pours it out to God. It's without hope. I feel like I'm in a hopeless place. My inner man, that's what he means, his soul. He don't necessarily mean just his physical body, but deep down who he is. Inside of him, it's just crumbling. It's broken and it is seemingly without hope. Verse 7, we go to the next, we go to the next vent. He's overwhelmed by God's crushing trials. Notice what he says in verse 7. Deep calls to deep. You know what this means? He's in the deepest suffering of his life. He's in the depths. This is the same word that's used when Jonah is in the belly of the well and he cries out from the depths. He is in the mire. He's in the muck of it. He's in the deep. And from the deep, what does he do? He calls. And where does He call? To the deep. Deep calls unto deep. Right now, God, I'm in the deep and you're in the deep somewhere. And the distance between us feels so far away. And so right now, deep calls unto deep. And then notice what He says. It calls at the roar of your, of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. I love how the psalmist acknowledges here that God is sovereign. The devil did not slip in the back door and say, I got you. Without, and then God did not look down and go, Oh my goodness, I took my eyes off of him for just a second. No, there are many preachers that will try to preach to you today and say, God wasn't responsible for that. And, 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 the, and, and God is not responsible for it. Let me explain something to you. God is sovereign. Not a sparrow falls from the sky apart from the will of God. You know what that means? And you know what He says about you and I? We're worth more than what? Many sparrows. You believe something actually happens to one of us outside of the sovereign will of God? No. And so he recognizes here that I'm overwhelmed. Notice what he says. He says, all of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Literally, he paints this picture. You ever, you ever been out in the ocean and the waves be coming in so thick that you can't hardly get yourself out of it? As soon as you get up, another one crushes over you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Well, we've only experienced it just a little bit. But imagine being there and literally... You can't get out of it. Every time you think you're able to get up from one wave, guess what happens? And you're thrown back down again and you think you're getting up again and guess what happens? All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. And basically what this psalmist wants you to understand is I am so overwhelmed, God, by your crushing trials. They're yours. Now, he's not just pointing his finger and blaming God and saying, you don't know what you're doing. He's just venting to God to say, God, I can't even catch my breath. I can't even catch my breath because of your crushing trials. 
He recognizes that every trial comes from the Lord for our benefit. Psalm 66 verse 10 through 11, verse 10 through 12 says this. You have tested us, O God. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. You laid crushing burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire. We went through water. Yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. You notice what these psalmists understood? They understood everything that they went through in their life was a result of the hand of God. Now, does that mean that God is the one that literally did it? No. But God is the one that it was by His hand that it took place. You remember what God, what, what Job said to his wife when his, when his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? You remember what he said? You foolish woman. Should we receive good at the hand of God and not evil at what? The hand of God. The hand of God. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 through 5 says this, And we rejoice in suffering. We know that it produces endurance. And we know that this endurance produces character. And we know that this character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know why he said, I rejoice in trials? Because I know that God is producing something. Nick preached on that one time if you want to go back and try to find that. I know that God is producing something in the trials. And then in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, James said, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness, and let it have its full effect so that you will be perfect and complete and lack nothing. Why? Because it's through the trials that God allows you to go through that He molds you and He makes you, He refines you like silver and He produces in you endurance and hope. And then finally in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, listen to what the Apostle Paul said about his trials. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. You ever heard anybody preach to you and say, God will never put nothing more on you than what you're able to bear? I think the Apostle Paul would beg to differ. We were utterly burdened, what? Beyond our strength. But why, Paul? Why would God do that? Go on to verse 9 for me. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to do what? And not on who? We don't know the extent of our pride, do we? until God puts us in places to where we have absolutely no control and we can't do anything about that situation whatsoever. And all of a sudden we learn real quick, I can't control nothing. Who am I? What can I do about anything? And you know what the answer to that is? Nothing. And so if that's true, does it make any sense for us to rely on ourselves for anything? but He makes us to rely on Him in times like that. Go back to Psalm 42 with me again. In verse 9, He continues to vent. He says, God, it feels like You've forgotten me. It feels like You've forgotten me. God, why have You forgotten me? 
and it feels like you've just let the enemy have his way with me. And then in 43 verse 1 and 2, the final vent, he says, God, the ungodly, the deceitful, and the unjust are winning. Look what he says. Vindicate me, O God. Defend my cause against the ungodly God from the deceitful, from the unjust man. Deliver me, God. It feels like the enemy is winning. That's what it feels like. Why, God? Why? 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 And all of these questions through this, God, why? And what's beautiful about this song, guys, y'all listen to me. Venting is Holy Spirit inspired. Holy Spirit inspired. Every word, you do understand and believe that every word of this book is Holy Spirit inspired, right? And you want to tell me this psalmist that says, why, 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 why? You want to look at me and you want to say, oh, you ought not do that, brother. The Holy Spirit inspired it. Inspired it. You know why? Because there are many breakers and waves that God sends over us that we don't understand and it don't make sense. We had a good thing going. Ministered to so many people. God, this don't make sense. This, this don't make sense. I don't understand. And yet this venting is Holy Spirit inspired. Go to the second part. Next, we remember. He vents and then he remembers. Notice what he does in 42 verse 4 again. These things I what? What does he say there? In verse 4, I remember. I love this roller coaster that he's going through. Or I don't love it, but I, I love that it's here. He starts out and he does vents and he just vents and he's so frustrated and he can't understand. And then he just stops and he goes, yeah, but I remember. But I remember. And notice what he remembers. In verse 4 he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. I remember them as I'm pouring out my soul. I remember how I would go with the throne and how I would lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. He says, God, I remember the times when, when I was celebrating and I was praising Your name and I remember when I used to lead the people in this. And I remember that, God. I'm not there right now. I'm not celebrating right now, but God, I, I remember when I did. And you know, the memory is a beautiful thing. The memory is, um, is something so important because if it weren't for the memory, when times like this happen, we would just be so overwhelmed that we would literally be without hope whatsoever. But remembering is a way to bring comfort to my soul. <laughs> I was talking to a brother. He was trying to encourage me. I'm not going to say who it was, but he was trying to encourage me. I shouldn't say it. I can't say it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Man, I want to so bad, but I can't. He was trying to tell me, encourage me, and basically he was telling me, he said, "Man, you've just got to remember the good times, and you've just got to, you've just got to really just sit down and think about all that God blessed you with, um, with, with in this in this situation." And so anyway, um, and he was so right. You know, I've sit back and I remember, but. Um, um, Nick was a, 
a, a loyal, loyal brother. This, this brother understood Christian brotherhood. He wouldn't quit on nobody. And he especially wouldn't quit on me. I can't tell you how many times. I'm, I'm just going to share one time with you. But I had a situation going on in my life. Somebody very close to me was being attacked. And, um, and no matter how I tried to, to, to help and no matter what I did, and, and I'm usually pretty good at, at counseling people to get in the right mindset. And, but, but this situation, I just couldn't do anything with it. And it's been several years ago, so I don't want you, nobody would figure it out. But I got so frustrated because my loved ones were being attacked. Um, and when I say my loved one, part of my church family, not, not my loved one, just part of my church family, people that I care dearly for, like you. And they were just being attacked. And I remember I was just so, I was getting so angry. And I was standing probably right about here. And Nick came in through the door right there and he walked up and he knew what was going on. We had talked about it several times and we had, we had prayed about it and just really tried to work through it. We just couldn't, we couldn't fix it. But, uh, he came up to me and, um, and I was so mad because these, these other people had just got angry and they was just ready to fight. And, um, and so I, I told Nick, Nick walked in and I was just mad and I said, you know what? And, and forgive me, I'm, I'm a man too. Y'all understand that, right? He walked in. I said, you know what? I said, I, I, if they want to fight, you know what? Let's fight. I ain't always been a pastor. You know what? I like to fight. Let's fight. You want to fight? Let's fight. I mean, I was just, I was, I was fit to be tied. Now, what Nick should have done is looked at me and said, hey, brother, come on. This is not, this is not the way. But let me tell you what that brother did. <laughs> He looked at me and he said, Brother, if you want to pray, we'll pray. If you want to fight, we'll fight. That's just who he was. And I sit back and I've thought about that so many times because that's just one of many times, one of many times that, that, that I felt like that maybe I was standing alone in a certain situation and Nick would come to me or call me. He'd say, Hey, I just want you to know I'm with you. I'm not exaggerating, guys. I'm not trying to make it more than what it was. That's what he would do. He would come to me and he would say, I just want you to know I'm with you. I mean, I don't care. I, I didn't like to make a decision without him in this church. You can ask Amanda, one of the last phone calls that I made to him was about whether or not we move services out here this last time or not. And the brother, I didn't even know his oxygen was 66 when I was talking to him. And Amanda told me, she said, I'll see if he can muster up the strength to talk to him. I didn't know how sick he was. I just knew he was sick. And I said, brother, I'm sorry to bother you, but I just, I don't want to make this kind of decision without you. I said, I want to know where you stand on it. And I mean, he couldn't even talk to me at that time, but he, he told me, he said, you know, here's what I think. And then that was the way we ended the conversation. But we didn't make decisions without each other. But no matter what decision I made, no matter what I did, he would always tell me, always look at me, and he would say to me, Brother, I'm with you. No matter if... I'm just going to say it to you like this. I loved you and he loved you all more than any of you know. 
But the truth of the matter is, <laughs> He would stand with me against you. That's just the truth. I've seen Him do it. This brother understood brotherhood. This brother understood loyalty. I can remember so many times he would call me and he would say, and it usually wasn't Nick. I ain't going to put Amanda on the spot here, but I just got to, I, I guess got to say it. But he would call and he'd say, you know, Amanda is really bothered by this. Um, this, this is going on and she, this has really got her bothered. And I can remember I'd look at Nick and I would say to him and I'd say, brother, listen, whatever you want to do, however we need to handle it, we'll take care of it. You know, if we need to go down there, if we need to go to this person, we need to say this, we need to do that, I'm just going to be straight with you. If we need to run them off, I don't want to see nobody go. But whatever we got to do to make sure that we take care of the ones we love, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And I've just sit back and I have remembered time and time again of all, I, and I can't even spend, I'd have, to, we, I'd have to keep you here all day to be able to, to talk to you about all these things. But the, the, the point of it is, is that those memories have been such a comfort to me. That's so true to just sit back and remember. Now I still have my venting, I still have my don't understanding, but I still go to this, to this memory bank that I have. You know, and, and I know I've seen, you know, Nathan posting videos here lately, and I understand. So when I say this, don't think that I, I'm saying that you ought to just go and look at them and read them. But I understand there's some that say, you know, I just can't watch them right now. I just can't, I just can't do it. And I get that. But at the same time, I am so thankful that even if I had to do it through tears, that I can sit there and just remember. That I can sit there and just be thankful and just, and just remember. And we got a bank full of, of memories, of memories that we can go back to and we can hear His voice and we can do, and, and, and we should be so thankful for that and just thank God for the good times as we remember. Then in verse 8, notice what he does next. As he remembers, he says, um, in verse 6, notice he says, My soul is cast down within me, therefore I what? I remember you from where I'm at. I'm praying to you. And then notice what he remembers in verse 8. This is what he remembers. By day, the Lord commands His steadfast love. Here's what I remember. I remember that God loves me. I don't understand His breakers. I don't understand His waves crushing me. I am overwhelmed, but guess what? I know He loves me. I know God loves me. And He remembers that. And then notice what He does next. And at night, His song is with me. You know, there is one thing that I see that he does right here. He sings as he remembers. He remembers God's unending love for him. He remembers that God's love is steadfast. He remembers that, yes, these are his breakers and his waves, but it is for my good. And it is to cause me to rely on him and not on myself. And he is drawing me closer to him. And he remembers all of these things. And then as he does it at night, you know what he does? He sings. At night his song is with me. Now I'm not talking about songs of celebration. I'm not talking about songs of great joy. But I'm talking about songs of faith. That's the reason why I asked Dale to sing that song this morning. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, greatest treasure of my longing soul, my longing heart, your grace is a well too deep to fathom. 
Your love exceeds the heaven's reach. And just songs that remind me about the truthfulness of God. And that's what he means in chapter 43. I'll speed this up. In chapter 43, verse 3, look what he says. Send out your light and your truth. In other words, he wants to be reminded of the goodness of God, the truth of God. And the reason he wants to be reminded of it is because he wants to be led by them. He wants them to bring them into his holy hill, into his dwelling. He wants them to bring him to the altar of God so that he can praise him. Literally, what this psalmist understands is that as I remember the good the good memories that I have, and as I remember the truth and the light of God, it will bring me into the presence of God. And it will bring me into the praise of God. I have spent these last, I don't know, you can ask my wife, I don't know how many days it's been. I don't do anything in my spare time but what? Just listen to... No, I'm not talking about any Christian music. I've got a radio station on Pandora I listen to. It's called Sovereign Grace Radio if you want to listen to it but it's full of theologically rich songs. And I send one to to Amanda every now and then because I know at night the song of God needs to be with you. And I just sit there and I just dwell on the truth of God and I dwell on the goodness of God and the never-ending love of God for me. And I just listen to these songs and as I listen to His truth, it leads me. And it leads me into His presence. And it leads me into His praise. And I'm going to tell you, as broken as we've been through this time, I've been closer to God in this time in praise than I've ever been in my life. Ever. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that God reminds me of His light and His truth. And then finally... He preaches to Himself. Notice what He does in verse 5, verse 11, and then the end of verse 43 and verse 5 again. In verse 5 of chapter 42, He preaches to Himself. He says, Why are you cast down my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Did you know that the majority of your problems are because you listen to yourself more than you preach to yourself. This psalmist doesn't sit there and go, I'm just cast down. It's just all terrible. I'm so overwhelmed by your breakers and your waves. It is what it is. That's my famous saying. No matter what comes around, I just say, well, it is what it is. Well, you know what? Sometimes it ain't what it ain't. But here, this psalmist understands, I'm not just going to sit there and listen to myself. I'm going to vent to God. And then I'm going to remember both the good times, the memories, and the truth and the light of God. And as I do that, I'm going to pour my soul out to Him and I'm going to praise Him but then I'm going to preach to my heart. I'm going to preach to my soul, my inner man. You know what I'm going to say to him? Why are you cast down? All of these reasons. Remember his venting? All of these reasons why he should be cast down, but none of them, he concludes, are enough to be cast down. It's not enough. 
And he looks at his soul and he says, Soul, I know it's bad, but it's still not reason enough for you to be without hope. And so he says to his soul, Why are you cast down, my soul? And then you know what he preaches? The sermon? Soul, hope in God. Hope in His never-ending love. Hope in His truthfulness. Hope in His goodness that He's given you. You know, God didn't have to give me a ministry. You know how many pastors don't... You know what I would tell people? Every pastor I talk to, you, um, you go ask Anthony, go ask Dale Myers, go, go ask any pastor that I have ever talked to. And they'll say to me, they'll say, Brother, how in the world do you pastor a church this size and work a full-time job? How do you do that? You know what my answer was over and over again? You need to get you a nick. That was my answer. Every time. You need to get you a nick. Do you know that God did not have to do that for me? He did not have to do that. But He did. And I'm so thankful and so grateful for His goodness in my life. I'm so thankful to have loved and yet lost other than to have never loved at all. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for what God did in my life. And so I preach to myself. I say, so hope in God. Remember His goodness. Remember His light. Remember His truth. And as I do these things, it leads me into thanking Him for such a loyal, loyal friend. I thank Him for just the goodness that He has shown me in the ministry because of this good man. I thank Him for His never-ending love for me that even though now He has taken this away, I have no doubt that God loves me. I know He does. And in the night, through tears, I just praise Him. And I just sing to Him. And so in closing, in your depths of grief, there's a simple way to pray through them here. Three steps. Vent to God. You pour your heart out to Him. And I know we are applying this to our current situation right now, but how many of you know this applies across the board to all times of deep sorrow? Okay? But we vent to God. We pour our soul out to Him. And then we go through this little roller coaster of we go from venting and frustration to God. I remember, I remember this. I remember that. God, I remember Your love and I remember Your goodness and I remember Your light and Your truth. And God, I just, I just remember that You are faithful. And then in, after I do some remembering, I preach to myself, soul, get up. Get up, soul. Literally, when you read this thing, he says, why are you prostrate, prostrate to the ground, my soul? That's what he means. Why are you laying down? Why are you so without hope? Why have you just laid down and quit? And I preach to my soul and I say, Soul, 
It's time to get up. It's time to get up. And it's time to praise Him. It's time to hope in Him. It's time to trust His promises are true. It's time to trust that He is everything that He says He is and that He will do everything that He has said He will do. And then notice what He says next in verse 5. Why are you cast down on my soul and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Why? Because I shall again praise Him. My salvation and my God. I may not be praising Him now the way that I want to. And that's okay because there's a time to grieve, right? There's a time for everything. But through this, this is exactly what I have done. And I can promise you today, it is such a comfort. It is such a comfort. I love the Psalms. I'm so thankful for the Psalms. And I just pour my soul out to God. I pour my heart out to Him. And then I remember and I cry and I smile and I thank God and I praise God. And then I preach to myself. Keep hoping in God. Keep trusting in Him. Keep believing in His faithfulness. His promises are true. And I may not be praising Him now exactly the way I want to praise Him or the way I used to praise Him, but I shall praise Him again. He is my salvation and He is my God. If y'all would stand this morning and go with me in prayer. Father in heaven, I just want to say thank you for, Lord, just your good word. Lord, thank you, God, that you did not leave us here without some guidance to be able to go through times like these. Father, I thank you, God, that, um, Lord, you have given us a place to vent to you. Lord, you said in Job that the words of a despairing man are like wind. Father, you said literally when the words of a despairing man, you treat them like wind. They just get caught in it and they're blown away. And Father, I thank you so much that we can vent to you and that we can cry to you, that you understand and that you can sympathize with our weaknesses. God, I thank You that, Lord, even though You see the big picture and You know exactly what You're doing, God, we don't. God, we're so small, we're so finite. And Father, I thank You, God, that we can pour our soul out to You. And God, You would, you would have us to do so. Father, I thank You for our memories. God, I thank You, God, that, um, Lord, You've been so good to us. Father, You've blessed us for so long with, with such a gift. And Father, we just say thank You, God, for a loyal, loyal brother, pastor, friend. Father, I'm so, I'm so thankful for what You blessed us with in Him. Father, sometimes I wanted to wring His neck. <laughs> but God, I'm so thankful for Him. God, I'm so thankful for the, for the way You've blessed my life because of Him. Father, I know there's so many in here today that say the same thing. And Father, I just I pray, God, this morning that we would just never forget, God, that no matter what you take away from us in life, you love us so much that you gave your only begotten Son for us. Lord, and if that don't demonstrate how much you love us, nothing will. 
So Father, thank You, God, that You remind us of Your love and Your goodness and Your faithfulness. And God, I pray that it would lead us into Your presence. I pray that it would lead us into Your praise. And Father, I pray this morning that You would help us to preach to our souls, God. Lord, I pray that You would help us when we are cast down, when we are prostrate in within ourselves, Father, Lord, that, that we don't, we can't even find the strength to get up. Lord, I just pray, God, that You would just help us to preach our hope in You to our own souls. Father, we do hope in You. We know we don't have it yet. We know we walk by faith and not by sight. But God, we hope in You. We know that Your Word is true. We know that You are faithful. And God, I know that even though we're not praising right now the way that we want to, God, we shall, we shall praise You again. God, You are our salvation. You are our refuge. You are our rock and our redeemer. God, You are our God. God, we love You and we praise You. And we ask You for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.